Welcome to the Soma Soulworks Podcast. We hope here to equip, empower, and inspire a global community of creatives through rich, Christ-focused conversation. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the second episode of our talk on Acorn Labs. This is a big initiative that we've been cooking in the back room here at, uh, at Soma Games for, for a long time, for at least a couple of years. Um, but it's sort of coming together in a way that we're ready to start talking about it. And if you missed the first episode, we laid the foundation down there for what the idea is, where it's going to go. And in this episode, we, we pick up uh, a lot more of the specifics. What's the future? How does it compare to other industries? This sort of thing. So... If you didn't see the first half, I hope that you do. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy this. Where I'm, I'm curious. Okay, so this is kind of the vision. This is like the, and I would say from a, from a development, like how how cooked is this pudding idea? I think we're pretty far along. Like mm-hmm. I think we've we've run a bunch of spreadsheets. We've got numbers. Yeah. I think we've got some people who are interested in it. Um, I think there's still a few kind of concepts that we need to kind of really run to ground. But I actually think we're pretty close. I would not be surprised if we were able to pitch this idea to somebody mm-hmm. um, within the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I should say, like before By the, the end, end of, of the 2022. Um, in fact, I, I have I have someone in mind. Okay. Um, but uh, but like, what are the cons? As you guys think through this and thinking about what we're trying to do with Inlaudris and changing the world and all that baloney, like, how do you see this fitting, or not, or is it a boondoggle? Tight end. Just right off the bat, the goal, again, is to bring more people who know who Christ is in their life into the industry in order to help bring light to the industry. So if this is a core way to train them up and also disciple them, then that's that's very strong and powerful, considering the rate right now that we've seen just among friends and among the CGDC group, it's just slow. It just takes so much time. So this is a again an acceleration of that process. So it is in a way a fairly baked plan, right? It's, I think it's pretty it's baked. Pretty close. So we'll see how it goes. Well, Chris, if I wanted to <laughs> put my money where my mouth is and donate to the cause, <laughs> where could I do that? It's time for a shameless plug. <laughs> shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to donate, anyways. Um, I want to compare it to some other accelerators mm. out there, um, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. You, in particularly, Neil, had your experience with the Film Institute. So, oh, the uh, GBS Transmedia Accelerator, which okay, was my mistake. partnered with the Film Institute and so on. But yeah, we did a Transmedia Accelerator over in Kona, Hawaii, and uh, that was an interesting journey. I feel like it was a similar goal. But obviously the details are very different. Movies are different than games, etc. Mm. How would you say, like, what what was your kind of reflection on that? Um, what would you have done different? What worked really well? Just ref- and I'm not trying to cast any aspersions, but just learn from the past. Yeah, the biggest learning lessons was, um, I think right off the bat, we realized after a couple cycles through that not everyone's a producer, which is interesting. So not everyone can build the right team together. And then not everyone can pitch well enough. So that was another piece of the puzzle. So introducing to investors is one thing, but helping them fully create their team and then put the right person in charge um, producing-wise was a a core learning lesson. Um, But that leads to, I think, what we've already talked through, which is this idea of 
shared IP and shared assets and um, helping them build the team versus letting them just build their own. We've addressed some of those issues. Obviously, games is different. But yeah, there's an interesting question of who's going to wrangle the cats and herd them well and then also sell well the idea. So those two kind of key elements. I think I agree that selling piece is actually, you can't assume that everybody can do it. Mm. Um, I wonder also how, like, how does movies, how would a movie accelerator compare to a game accelerator, compare to a, say, just business accelerator? Hmm. It's different with size of, of scope, kind of, right? So that we can scope down games pretty far, which is nice for this type of um, Acorn Labs, which is smaller scoped games for majority of the pro- of the products that we made. It's hard to scale down a TV show or a movie. They're just yeah big. There's like a minimum. There's a the minimum is a totally different number. It's a totally different number to get that off the ground. So even your indie TV or indie movie is just hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like hey, we, well we made something small. Like wow, that's a lot. And and yeah. ours. In the game industry, it's kind of like fifty-ish thousand is pretty reasonable for something really small. Yeah, that's that's fully polished, that's chippable, all those type of things. It's it's much smaller numbers and also a smaller team. Like right. you can do a game with two to three people and do everything you need. It's almost impossible for a TV show or movie. Yeah, so it's just different scale. The investment is much lower. Mm. Yeah. So I have another serious question. Um, if how much of the game does this studio do you think need to make for it to really be a proof of what they can do like versus you know having sort of an engine provided to them like should they you know how much what percentage maybe is like a, of of the product has to be made by them that's actually one of the other constraints we've been tinkering with like maybe one of the constraints is you don't get to make your own engine like you have to work on something that already exists. Now, if we, especially if we're like, I don't know, you can't make a new genre. And it's not that we don't believe in those things, but it's just noise. And and if the goal of Acorn isn't to make an especially innovative game, but it's to train talented people, then if you're spending a majority of your time trying to work out a brand new game engine, mm. it's just the wrong time for that kind of thing. In the same way, like you should not be building your world here. You should not be building your fantastic game engine here or inventing a whole new game mechanic that no one's seen before. Right. Because then the problem, the only limitation I see there is that that works great for artists, writers, um, to some extent level designers, like especially if you've got like an adventure engine and like here's your tools, now make it do. What I don't see is any clear way for the code, code teams. Like... Um, you know, building the engine and, and get mm. fine tweaking those are sort of what code does the most of, at least in our office. I mean, I know that there's also the actual physical hookup of of designs, but there's also, you know, there's ways to design the tools to be artist friendly. Uh, you know, there there you can conceivably cut out a whole code department, but I know that's a lot of some people's passion. Mm. Yeah. And this is probably what shows up in the higher levels of the accelerator, mm. where if, if level one is, can you make something fun, where that's really heavy on a design question. Can you design something that's enjoyable? And I think that's the thing is we started looking at if I have a fun game with bad art, 
<laughs> I can make literally $10 billion. That's <laughs> true. You know, I, like that becomes like Proven. if I cut that off. If I have a game that is fun with a known existing technique and bad art, I can still make $100 million. But if it's not fun, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, best, if I have perfect art, perfect art, art but no fun. So that really is the thing that's irreducible. Um, and if I think we have to start there. Otherwise, we're just blowing smoke. Um, and so that said, once you've got a fun idea, then all the other pieces need to support it. Hmm. So, so if we are probably in that first round, maybe the second round, it's really focused on finding a fun mechanic, finding a good thing and then adding in now code comes into like how do we tune this how do we optimize this how do we expand it art comes in how do we make it pretty sound is out there you know uh, adding adding that and music and sound effects we start adding on those things but that core kernel has to be fun hmm. then that also feels like we can optimize through kernels really fast and cheaply until we find one we like um, well like acorns like oh. little acorns and so you just kind of farm those guys to see what happens. Um, I don't mind saying probably most of the people we work with, not all, but most, are some combination of maybe it's a programmer plus designer. It is mm-hmm. an artist plus designer. It is like there are some people that they just want to program. They don't care. Um, but ultimately, those those people, I think, are problem solvers. Give me a problem. I'll, I'll fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, I will make that work. Um, but I don't know that I can far most people for the industry so much as I can help them facilitate the fun. Go prove me wrong. Change my mind, Samantha. Like rewrite our whole freaking business plan. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, no, I, I, I actually agree with so much of this. So, okay, fantastic. Uh, I'm, I'm in. I'm on board. Woo-hoo. It's the return of sort of trade schools or apprenticeships, which is right. something I've long been a proponent of. Well, I'll tell you there's an also sort of more cynical piece to this that's on my mind is Soma and Imladris and these things we want to do. In the end, we have... I shouldn't say in the end. There, there is a sector of people to whom we are only as successful as the money we've made. Right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that is one of the scoreboard questions. Mm-hmm. And which means that we have to put some points on the board if we want the more we want to be heard. Mm-hmm. Like if someone's going to say, like, what is Soma doing... What is Imladers doing? What, are the, what is this community of Christian game developers doing? What does it matter if none of them have ever made anything that's sold? Hmm. Um, and so someone here, like, like understand that we have to make money that's sustainable. Hmm. Um, it's just a good business goal. So how do we do that? I mean, nothing's a sure thing, but how do you increase your chances mm-hmm. um, without losing your soul? And but, that's what it is for Acorn Labs. That's the idea, right? Yeah. And not just losing, like not just not losing your soul, but actually we'd be sowing into your soul. Mm-hmm. That feels unusual in the game industry. Mm-hmm. Well, wouldn't that be a thing, right? Yeah, wouldn't that be a thing? All right. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna just because we knew this episode's probably gonna go long, we might at some point just arbitrarily cut it in half. In fact, that might have already passed. However, let's just I want to continue the thought here. We talked a minute ago about how this could compare, for example, to a film accelerator. Mm-hmm. And it feels like one of the strengths is, is a lot less money. A lot less money goes into uh, seeding viable products in, in games, especially if we focus first on mobile games. That becomes a, a, a much lower bar. But I think that the opportunity on the upside, assuming proper marketing, distribution, all that, the opportunity on the upside is probably about as big. 
Oh, yeah. Um, probably bigger. <clears throat> well, I'll, yes, probably bigger, the truth is. Like, the opportunity to have a gazillion-dollar hit is more real, I think, in, in that. Um, and I think we have fewer barriers to entry with regard to distribution and, and, and access to the marketplace, that kind of stuff. We have, we have much lower barrier to entry. Um, we also have the benefit of the long tail in gaming that um, my launch weekend isn't nearly as important because I can keep making it better. Right, mm-hmm. the, like there, there are plenty of stories of games that have long, long, long histories long. that keep making money, and that opportunity is really compelling mm-hmm. from a business end. So, say the first cohort of of Acorn comes up with you know, whatever it is, you know, zombie sandwich. Um, the opportunity <laughs> for zombie sandwich two, three, and four for like the the extended definitive, all that stuff goes on forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and one one minor hit can become. A really long, cool series. Yes, it can become an enterprise or by like itself. Or like the sleeper hits. Like Among Us was out for years before it came a cultural phenomenon. I didn't and know that. Yeah. 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 Small that. little thing, but... That's interesting. Okay, that, that's a piece of story. So that also feels like an upside. Uh, I don't pretend to know movies quite nearly as well. So, But that's kind of how I understand it. If I go on the other side, so I'm just sticking to the arts, I'm unaware of a thing like this for, say, books or music. I think about Hutch Moot, like a writer's retreat, like that kind of a thing. I know things like that, hmm. but I don't know if that's the same idea so much as it's helping people be better writers, which is cool, but that's not the same as an accelerator. As far as I know, like for a writer, you got to have a manuscript and then you go to a publisher and that's about the most you can do. That seems it's to be it's either idea. self-publish or go to a publisher, but you got to put in those hours first. Hmm. So it's always on you yeah it's always on you yeah it's not as team oriented as well these are the the largest team oriented media so and I I don't know music is probably the world I know the least about but is that even a thing like a music accelerator Mm. that isn't like a conservatory might make people better musicians Mm -hmm. I don't know if it helps them sell records I don't know if that's how it works but I don't Mm. think so I guess opening for a more more famous band is probably what you're not there. That could be, right? That could be your kind of your door in. Yeah, opening, yeah. Okay, so here's here's kind of like, I want to close a thought here, or, or rather put a pin in it for a little bit later. If Acorn represents a blend um, of... I, I, how about this? I would say I propose that Acorn Labs, which is to say accelerating and optimizing on gaming is the best use case that I've seen in how we could get creative people accelerated into their industry compared to other media that I know for a very variety of reasons. I think it's the best mix. Um, it's got everything. Like I think it's got yeah. everything. Now I compare that to, for example, of how accelerators work in just the venture world, just mm. businesses in general. Right. Um, and in that regard, I think that we have more cons. Like, mm. I think that all creative enterprises are more risky. <laughs> um, high risk, high reward. Yeah. But the high risk is like, hmm, really? But we're COVID proof because true. you can work virtually. That's true. So we got that going for we, us. We can be COVID proof. <laughs> I think... COVID-2 um, electric boogaloo strikes. Do you think there's a lot to learn, though, from how Y Combinator does things, how mm-hmm. Praxis does things? Like, there's a lot to be, there's a lot to be learned there. Um, part of which was our conversation just this morning is what's the end point for Acorn? Yeah. So I'll use practice as an example. Um, you get in, you have your venture, and the whole program, the whole year program, 
basically is getting you ready to pitch to investors. Like long story short, you know, maybe that's oversimplifying it, but you, Praxis is not funding these projects. They are helping you find funding, right? Mm -hmm. That's sort of the, the, the long story short. But they do a great job of getting you ready because on the backside, sort of like the backside of a college, they have jobs waiting for you in the best case. On the backside, they have cultivated a, a, a community of investors who want these who want to invest in promising ventures. That's probably a piece of acorn that I think would be really crucial is can we bring a body of publishers who would be interested in Christian-led content? I don't know of but one. <laughs> but if it's the Christian, like we were talking about the Christian, what is the Christian part of it? So if you're making a game that's for the, you know, the whole world, but it has like elements of kingdom and or Christian elements, that's a lot different than you know Bible game. And so there's a bunch of elements to that that are there'll be questions of probably from publishers like what kind of game is it, and if it's is it good? Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> excellence and quality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that will sell more than anything else. So. It feels to me like that's probably the piece of this whole puzzle that's the least baked. Is it presumes there is an opportunity to find publishers, and I can't, I haven't proven that, and I'm, I'm not sure how to prove that. But maybe it goes just back to the simple thing of, hey, we've found a game that is really good. Then you show share that with publishers, and they're like, oh, it's cool, it's very fun. Finding the fun is the core of that in order to, and then the idea of that game, whatever that may be, plus of it, it is fun. That that pitches well. The only real alternative is for Acorn Labs itself to be the publisher, yeah. which obviously would require us finding some professionals and building a name. But like, if you can build that name have its own like this is the acorn labs you know mm. dev stream or twitter this and that you know if you can build that community and be your own publisher that means anybody coming up through your programs can um, publish through it and hopefully that puts the stamp of excellence and and leadership on the comp the overarching company and then lends that to the people um going through it and vice versa like yeah um, it's a lofty goal, but it'd be I twitch cool. thinking about it. I feel like I, I realize that's just out of my lane. Mm. It's, I mean, it's somebody's lane. It's just not mine. <laughs> yeah. And there may be some type of uh, per perfect partnership that does work out where we end up with our own publishing slash branding marketing yeah. branch that can do all that well because we partner with the right people. So yeah. if you're out there, let us know. The uh, I'm going to go back to a thought. When I first, when Praxis tells their story, one of the things Dave Blanchard talks about is they, they get this idea and they're asking, are there even, like for their first cohort, are there even 10 Christian-led businesses out there? <laughs> and uh, and I think like quality businesses, right? Mm -hmm. So like the ones that could actually work. And, and it was interesting that that question felt very acute to them. And then they were very pleasantly surprised that it worked, right? And so 10 years later, they've run 100 companies, 50 for-profits, 50 non-profits through their organization. Um, awesome success story. I love it. I'm very inspired. So let me ask this question. Are there, are there 10, let's call it 10 for our first cohort, like meaningfully talented, ready game developers that we could identify who would do this? And where, and how do we handle that? I think so. Just CGC and, and beyond. Like, I think so. Especially if it's a small, if you keep it to a small idea, small team. Yeah. I think so. 
But we'll see. I will say, like, mm. since we started in Madras, and like, it feels like we've kind of beaten the bushes. A lot more people came out of the bushes than I knew were there. Mm. Like, I was saying, like, my list of Christian game developer contacts has probably doubled in the last year and a half, yes, two years. It has. And that's like, ooh. So that you put the net out to that group. Yeah. And it's like, so who is interested to get paid for a month of work to prototype something? I think you can get 10. Yeah, I think we can get 10. We'll Sammy, see. like, I'm kind of like, Scratching your head, you have this sort of like puzzled look on your face. I'm sure there's, I know there's tons of people with potential, but yeah. it's like, because you know, especially with there's all sorts of schools of people, like just they're out there ready to strike out and make their name and or tired of their day to day life. Like, I'm yeah. sure there's plenty of the, I think the big trick will be creating compatible teams with mm. compatible skill sets and really force that thought of excellence over I don't I don't know how to word it but you know like being in it for the art and you know, not cash grabby. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this thing where, like, like every accelerator is so essentially looking for the diamonds in the rough. Mm -hmm. I think the question is how rough. Right. 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 <laughs> like how, how rough, rough is, enough? is enough? Um, and uh, and you could, you could probably, you could probably choose. Like, I mean, ultimately, all you can do is deal with who applies. Yeah. Right. So you got to deal with that. But I, my gut tells me, and I, I'd have to ask the guys at Praxis. My gut tells me is their first cohort compared to their 10th cohort, <laughs> they probably got better and better and better. Of course. Simply because the fact that it existed encouraged people to get ready. Where, where on year one, it's like, is there even a thing? Um, yeah. But mm. 10 years later, that news gets around. There's been success stories. It draws more and more talent. So that probably is something we have to build on. And so if, if it's sort of like the first year compared to the 10th year, it probably would be mm. a meaningful uptick in quality. Mm. And we'd get better at it. The support team to get better at it. Yeah. I think the other thing that comes to mind is partnering with the universities who are having students graduate and are ready. There's a few of those students that will be ready to delete some type of small project like this. Yeah. Plus the pros that are already there. So I think the combination between those two will get to at least the the ten to start off the first year, and then again it will naturally grow and build over the next years and next years as you get kind of more of that higher tier of potential applicants. So, yeah. Yeah. I'll be, uh, so for anyone who's listening, like I'd be curious to hear some thoughts on how, just kind of what you heard, if you have experience with this kind of thing, we do not. And so frankly, if I can just ask, like, I would love that kind of input on how, how, what you've learned, um, what you, what you've heard or read, I think that'd actually be really intriguing. Uh, that said, I think we've probably run this about as far as we can run it for the moment. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pinch this one off and call it good, and uh, just made Hunter kind of squirm. So uh, which is kind of my goal. So <laughs> thank you for joining us once again, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us for today's conversation. You can find us online at somasoulworks.org and continue these conversations with our small group curriculum. We hope to see you next time, and have a great day.